From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat. Weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with Liba President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com. Well, Bud, uh, Lancaster County has been deep into some strategic planning and uh, some public meetings. I guess they got the public involved, a couple of them, uh, recently. Uh, I know these are the types of things that you just really get into. Well, it's it's good to see the county going through a strategic planning process. Uh, they hired a firm called Barry Dunn to do uh, this, lead this process for them. And they've had a survey that's been out there that they've asked for citizen input. Uh, you can get that on the county website. I encourage any of our listeners to go put that out. Check the LIBA Facebook page. We've got that on our Facebook page, just to talk about issues that are concerning to the people and where they think the county priorities are. Um, And earlier this week, they held a couple of public forums. Uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday afternoon, they had a couple of public forums for the public to provide some input. And we, of course, participated in that. We had somebody go on uh, Wednesday or Tuesday night, excuse me. And then on Wednesday, I went ahead and attended online just to observe and listen and hear what they're talking about. And just, to, I thought I'd just bring up a, a few of the issues that, that, that have been out there that we heard people talking about. One of the things we hear at the local level a lot is affordable, affordable housing and how do we address the cost of living. And it's not just in the city, it's in our rural communities around Lancaster County. Uh, you know, we have several, of those rural communities outside of the the city limits and they're struggling the same things about uh affordable housing affordability of housing i think those are some topics that we hear about quite a quite a bit one of the interesting topics that came out of this that i heard people talking about was we oftentimes hear about that urban rural divide right, across right. the state and we hear that in the legislature a lot i was I was intrigued when I heard this come up at the county planning meetings where some of these folks in the county feel like there's a real divide in the county between the city of Lincoln and the rest of Lancaster County. Very, very fascinating that that was uh, a topic that came up. And if there's a perception of that uh, in somebody's mind, that becomes the reality that they live in. Yeah, that's the, they always say perception is reality, whether <laughs> whether it's the right reality that others believe in or not. So, you know, we, we've talked a lot in here about priorities in the South and East Beltway. Both of those topics came up and what we can do to develop towards those and how we're going to grow around those. So I, I believe we'll see some information in this strategic planning outcome related to infrastructure. Uh, there was talk about commercial and retail and restaurant type development coming in around the county and, uh, you know, kind of thinking differently than we've thought in the past. And so I think it's important that people go to the county website, lancaster.ne.gov, and find that strategic planning document so they can fill out the survey and let their voices be heard. We always talk about engaging with our government and, and following up with that. And so 
I think I mentioned on here when I testified on the county budget, I was the only testifier uh, that came for public testimony. So we're we're asking our listeners to make a call to action and tell your friends and neighbors and colleagues to participate in this process with the county. It's very important. It's oftentimes easy to complain about government, but if you haven't really stepped up and participated in one way or another, besides voting, uh, it comes across a little less credibility. It's 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 our duty. It's our duty to hold our elected officials accountable, and it's a duty to make our voices be heard. So, And for those officials, um, I would imagine after a, enough non-participation, they go, well, people don't really care what we do. I, I think that's right, and I think, you know, <laughs> they're going to make some decisions, and if we give them input, at least we've made our voices be heard, and then... You know, they they have decisions to make, and then decisions in politics have consequences. As technology moves forward, uh, spreading technology around is a lot like money. The more you spread it around, the better off it is. Uh, But a lot of the, you talk about the rural-urban divide, even here in the, between Lincoln and the county, uh, several areas of uh, rural Lancaster County have been on the short end of having high-speed broadband available to them. Looks like that might get a little boost here due to some federal dollars. It does. The U.S. Department of Treasury uh, on Tuesday awarded Nebraska $87.7 million um, called the Broadband Bridge Program. That's not bridges for uh, engineer Pam Dingman to build, but really to bridge that that urban-rural divide and, and connectivity, which is so important that we hear not not only in rural Lancaster County around the state uh, for ways to people, for people to stay connected and, and be in, be able to connect to those different kind of global marketplaces really. So I think this is a great opportunity for Nebraska to make a nice, healthy investment in infrastructure with this uh, grant that was awarded. And sounds like over 21,000 households in the state are going to have access to broadband and that's a big deal and it's this pretty good bump i believe the legislature last session uh, approved some money for rural broadband as well so this will be kind of like a little fertilizer on the plan uh, a lot of fertilizer because the <laughs> the legislature awarded about or gave about 20 million dollars um and then uh last session they gave first and third congressional district 80 million from arpa funds and now we've got this additional building the bridge so you add that all up and we're we're pushing pretty close to 180 200 million dollars in infrastructure investment in broadband so i think it's a really big deal for our state to have that connectivity and have that broadband and that's something if you travel the state and you talk to people that's one of the things that they really uh really really want to see because there are places i don't think they still have dial up but but they might as well uh, for that connectivity. Yeah, and, and we're not talking about the super high speed that we get with from from our from some of our suppliers in a city like Lincoln. We're talking about just the standard 100 megabits up and down, as that's considered high speed. So that's uh, that's quite a bit less than you can get in the uh, in the cities, but still so much better than the. Uh, 9600 baud dial up that I used to have to deal with. Well, out in the out in those rural areas, it's going to seem like they're traveling at the speed of light just to have that uh enhanced connectivity. So, I think this is a great deal for the state and I think it's a great deal here in Lancaster County. As we've talked before, the ARPA funds in Lancaster County, they've made an investment into broadband. So, 
we're going to see a lot of broadband growth uh, throughout Nebraska and, and Lancaster County, which is always good. And and just so that you know, it's not just to provide somebody with an internet connection. This is also going to help rural uh, medicine, telehealth type of th- services, all of the different things that are available online to a, a, a big section of the population that really doesn't have very good access to that type of stuff. So. You are correct. We've seen some critical access hospitals closing. And so that telehealth will be a big opportunity in those rural communities and help people stay in the communities that they want to live in and not have to move. The news this week featured several uh, stories about uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom um, and the fact that California has now passed a ban on all gasoline-powered vehicles. I think it's by 2035. But uh, with the heat wave that hit this week out there, they are now also asking uh, EV owners to uh, hold off charging their vehicles because there's such a power drain because of the extreme heat. Uh, But there was a few things that came out of California recently that didn't get that type of uh, coverage nationally. And some fast uh, food operators uh, have got an issue that they've got to deal with now. And this could have some uh, domino effect across the country. Sometimes I hear things that governments do, and I think they just can't be this stupid. Um, Yet here we are. California passed a bill where they would be forcing certain restaurants, uh, and I believe it's fast food and there's a certain number of chains, to go to a $22 an hour minimum wage. And we've talked about minimum wage on here before and the impact that it can have on smaller businesses. And it's just, it's so... Weird for me to think that they're going to go to a $22 an hour forced minimum wage. And we're hearing a lot of backlash in California from these these small restaurants and these different restaurant chains because that's just that's just absolutely insane. I was in a meeting earlier this week with a local company. They said we've got 50 job openings. Our Our starting wage is $20 an hour and we can't hire those people. Think about that. Now they're going to want twenty-two dollars an hour in California, and and their Governor Newsom is seeing some serious blowback from the business community in California on this. It'll be all interesting to watch it, and it's all going to play out in the next thirty days or so, uh, because I believe September thirtieth is the deadline that the governor has on uh, to take some action one way or another on whether this uh, goes forward. So uh, it, this is one to watch uh, because as California goes, oftentimes. Some other states like to follow suit. Correct. And I think it's it's intriguing to me what Governor Newsom decides to do with this because it's no secret that I think he's seriously considering running a primary against the president of the United States. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens should he do that and how the business community might respond to this because, I mean, as we talked before, Mark, markets really settle – uh, wages. We don't need to have the government telling us what we have to pay. And there's some really silly carve-outs in this. If if you own a bakery, then you're exempt from this bill. I didn't so, see a bakery. Yeah. So if you are, if you're baking, basically, if you're you're operating with some sort of bakery within your business, then you're exempt from this bill. So. You think McDonald's is going to start baking their own buns? I don't know, but uh, I'm guessing there's going to be a baker's oven in in those things because this is just, it does not make any economic sense. I just don't get it. The workforce uh, we've talked a lot about, and we've got some situations that have developed here. 
and we're really feeling it here in Nebraska and has to do with uh, kind of a summertime, I don't want to say ritual, but some for a lot of kids, uh, kind of a, a passage, if you will. A rite of passage, a rite exactly. Of passage, yes. Uh, and it has to do with agriculture and it has to do with the Department of Labor and some other things. I think this is our deep dive this week, and there's some pretty um, disturbing information that's coming along with this. Is that a fair? Very disturbing, and it, it really raises a lot of concerns for 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 me just thinking about what this does to young people we've got so many programs and it ties to agriculture your background so i thought we'd bring a little bit of something today to make your eyes light up uh, after uh, a few weeks all right we'll give you a little hint we're going to take a deep dive into detasseling yeah that's it do you need help finding reliable financing options for heavy machinery trucks or other equipment for your business Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the most competitive financing options for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, trailers, and other big-ticket items. And whether you're replacing old machines or expanding your fleet, Currency makes it easy to get financing. It's secure and free to use, and it gives you a single point of contact for the entire process. Visit GoCurrency.com, fill out the application. Currency will automatically find a lender offering the best rates and terms. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com and apply today. Now, offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, doing business as currency, pursuant to CFL License 60-DBO-54873. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to Lincoln Business Beat, our deep dive into an area of agriculture. I guess I guess it really shouldn't be a deep dive. It should be the top end uh, snip, if you will, in this case. Uh, detasseling is uh, kind of a rite of passage for a lot of uh, students as uh, that has been big business in Nebraska. But what we've uncovered and what we found out is that that whole business model, and we've seen the school buses for years and years, you know, 5 a.m. out to the fields. Uh, not necessarily happening. Well, this is an issue that we just found out about earlier this week. And, you know, like we said, like you said, Mark, detasseling in Nebraska is a bit of a rite of passage for young people and teenagers. Uh, a lot of them, it's their first job. They make great money. Um, I don't know who the bigger toll is on the parents getting up and <laughs> getting them to the bus to leave at 5 a.m. And, you know, get out there and, you know, this is a great opportunity for young people to make some money, develop a really good, strong work ethic, 
and really help our Nebraska economy. It's it's a big deal. It's a big business. It's a multi multi million dollar business here in Nebraska. And what we've seen are a lot of these large corporate seed companies are, I will say, finding loopholes in the system to bring in H-2A visa worker, temporary migrant workers to replace our local crews. And as I read about this and, and, and have found more out about this, this isn't the local company of the seed corn company because they've had these crews in some cases for 10, 15, 20 years. They've been working with the same companies that have the crews. Those companies, they know the fields. They know the order of the fields. You know, for that local seed company, it's it's like keeping it going. It's just keeping the flow, making it happen, getting the detasseling done. And now they're bringing all these uh, H-2A visa workers in which is undercutting the price on our local crews that we're using. But this is coming from corporate. This isn't happening. The local level wants to keep their crews, but corporate is forcing them to pull back on some of the work that they're giving these to these local crews. And part of this is because there's loopholes in the Department of Labor, Homeland Security, that allows this type of thing to exist. Yeah, well, and, you know, they found a, a loophole. They've taken advantage of the loophole, and it's costing it's costing our kids jobs. And frankly, when those kids are earning money here in Nebraska, guess what? They're spending it here. Not spending all of it. A lot of them save it, or maybe they save up, buy a new car, what have you. Those are the things that turn the the chains in our local economy. These H two A migrant workers aren't staying here. They're not spending their money here. They're going back. That loophole is very you got to look pretty deep to find it. And essentially it says, if you can't find any local crew, then you can hire the H-2A workers. Okay. So they're going out and they're posting it on these websites where nobody knows about it. And they go, well, nobody local applied. So therefore now um, we can, we can hire the H-2A workers, which is a lot cheaper. Our labor costs go down. Bigger corporate profits. The locals don't like this. This is coming from corporate. Um, and there's, I think there's going to be more coming out on this issue as, as we move uh, into the coming months. It just, it's very devastating to our local economy. Like those businesses, you know, they're, they're losing workers. And when they're losing workers, they have to they not hire as many crews. They've got lots of kids lined up that are on waiting lists to be on detasseling crews. And then all of a sudden, when these H-2As don't work out, guess what? We need you to have a crew to put together tomorrow because we're adding fields or what have you. So I think, I, I hope we see more of this issue come to light because I think it's important for our local economy. And these are local business owners that are getting hit with this. Oh, and, and we've talked a little bit about kind of sleight of hand, some of these advertisements. I read one of them that said, and it was in essence, for a detasseling job. But they said the, the work could run from, like, May through October and it involved uh, being outside. I don't remember. That's paraphrasing. But I can tell you from uh, growing up in the ag industry, <laughs> worked on a family farm, uh, detasseling season is not May through October. Well, I not, think— Not in Nebraska, 
not in Minnesota, not in Texas, not anywhere where seed corn is grown. What I'm seeing is I think they're gaming the system a little bit, too, and making it look like detasseling. But I think they're keeping them around for some other things, uh, maybe around planting, maybe around other things. Or um, I've even heard stories. I have not completely found whether them to be true, but I don't I don't doubt them. They're actually housing them in not such great conditions here in Nebraska so they can have them around at harvest time. So I think there's a little bit of also gaming the system going on. And, you know, we've heard they're, they're, they're working these H-2A visa workers. They're working them 12, 14, 16-hour days. Now think about it, 90, 95, 100 degrees out there, walking through a cornfield. Those are, those are some pretty tough uh, conditions. And there's been some deaths recently in Nebraska from crews like that. So I believe this is an issue that we'll see more come to light. And I think it's just important to raise the awareness of what's happening with these uh, to these local detasseling crews all across the state. This was brought up, and I believe uh, the governor and even uh, uh, Commissioner of uh, Department of Labor, John Alban, uh, had tried to do something with the Department of Labor what, last year and maybe even earlier this year. So it's it's not as though uh, Nebraska officials aren't aware of it. They've They've tried to bring this up and basically got shut out. Seems like they're getting shut out by the feds and they're getting, um, you know, they're getting some pressure there. See what happens. So I, I just think I, I love the detasseling. I ran a crew for a couple of years in college. Um, it was just a great opportunity for kids. I think again, they're earning great money. They're spending that money. I mean, I can't tell you how many kids were on my cruise that were like, I'm saving up for a car. So when I turn 16, I want to buy whatever type of car it was or truck or whatever, or maybe a motorcycle, a vehicle. I'm saving for college. Like a lot of that money is being spent right here in Nebraska, and it's teaching them a great work ethic. I'm a huge fan, and I really don't want these to go away because I've got a 10-year-old daughter, and I doubt she's heard the podcast or she won't hear this one. (laughs) Um, But I can't wait for her and her friends to be able to be part of a detasseling crew because I just think there's a lot of things that come out of that that helps us later in life. Well, if we can uh, have a student uh, save up some money and not borrow thousands for a college education, that might be a win-win-win-win-win. Amen, my brother. Yes. Amen. So, you know, there's some just some basic questions with this situation the way it is. What do you think the real reason is they just don't hire teenagers local? I mean, you got the, the pros and cons of youth labor versus migrant labor. I think what, it's cost. I really do, Mark. I think it's cost because they're going to work for a fraction of what they're paying these crews, and I think we we really got to we got to really watch that because you know sometimes there's there's some opportunity costs when we make decisions, and the, like I said, these locals want to hire the local crews. They're being overridden by uh, by the bigger corporation because basically it's about the bottom line. And there's some uh, some issues that migrant laborers uh, may be a little more vulnerable to some things simply because they're not as uh, fluent in the English language or the uh, of that uh, can be subjected to some work conditions that probably wouldn't be tolerated. Uh, well, we're not working those kids 14, 16 hours a day in that Nebraska heat. I mean, they're working a good six or eight, 10-hour day maybe, 
But when you work these people like this all day, every day, you, you start to get a lot of issues, you know. Um, and, and I think it just it, it's that issue where it's not about taking care of the worker and making sure the worker is OK. It's about saving a few bucks here and there. You know, these these owners of these companies with these crews, they're making sure the kids are staying hydrated. They're making sure they're getting their breaks for snacks. I mean, like with these with these H2A workers, a lot of times they're just pushing them all day. They they put them in a field, they get the field done, they go to the next, 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 and 16 hours later they stop. Yep. And and there are some instances where uh, I know Nebraska Legal Aid was involved in a, a suit uh, 2021 against one of these companies that contracted uh, migrant workers, and uh, there was uh, they found out to be some pretty nasty situations and nasty conditions that they were dealing with. Yeah, it's really bad work conditions, and that's not something. I just don't think in Nebraska, I don't think that's something that our our our, our citizens believe in and they don't want to be part of. Yeah, they quoted uh, one investigation of one company. One investigation led to 1,140 workplace violations. Unbelievable. So I think a good story to watch. Uh, we'll kind of see what, what comes out of this moving forward to the future. What are the latest happenings from Liba? Well, uh, we've got our annual golf outing here today we're going to be out there raising money for scholarships next month we're going to have it our, our luncheon we're going to have or this month i'm sorry the calendar is just turning over and i haven't in my mind turned over but here in a couple of weeks we're going to have some legislative candidates for our members and i'm really excited this was probably a good lead into next week next week we're going to bring uh josh jones the director of the career academy in and we're going to talk about some exciting things happening at the Career Academy this year for young people. So uh, we've got some fun things to talk about with Josh next week. So I'm excited to get him in here. We've talked about the Career Academy quite a bit, so you can hear it straight from the source next week. Collaborative effort of uh, Southeast Community College and Lincoln Public Schools, and it's a great story. And uh, last I heard, there's still a waiting list for some of those classes. There's a there's several of those focus areas that have waiting lists. So. I'm excited. Josh is doing a great job. We have at LIBA have been big advocates for the Career Academy and connecting those young people in business. And they've invited me in to speak to several classes this fall. So I'm just I'm excited to have Josh in here and talk about what we can do to connect the business community with the Career Academy because they have what businesses need. And that's workforce that's being trained in specific areas. It's going to be an exciting uh, remainder of the year as we Head into 2023 now that we're into the Burr months. You know, of course, what I'm talking about there. Yeah. <laughs> Burr months are September, October, October November, December. And, and that's B-E-R, not B-U-R-R, although they can be interchangeable in some years. Yes, yes, I <laughs> Till we cross paths again, this has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by Currency. Learn more at GoCurrency.com.